the Mayans call the constellation of Pleiades with the name of Rattlesnake Constellation. That pyramid is the temple of Kukulkan's Feather Serpent. So it's no doubt that is the connection is there. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. We're here to talk about the X-Men number 26, the new November 1966 issue. And woo, this one was a doozy. Yes. You're in for a real exciting story this time around. It's a treat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a treat. Yes, uh, yes, folks, gather around, gather around close, share an earbud with somebody else so that Adam and I can regale you with a tale of Egypt or something. Or something. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, on the cover of this particular issue, uh, we see a guy in a very elaborate headdress setting fire to the pyramids of Egypt. And it's called Holocaust. It's actually not Egypt. Um, I know, but there's pyramids. It's actually Mexico. Yes, it's yeah. Mexico. And actually, if it, it, it is his, not historically correct, but um, archaeologically correct, because the pyramids that they show have those big elaborate steps, which right. the, the, the pyramids in Egypt do not. So, so you're right, Adam. They are Mayan pyramids. Iceman is sliding around on some ice slides in front of those uh, pyramids. And the beast is in the background. Kind so, of cowering. He's he's hanging ten, it kind of looks like. <laughs> and uh, Cyclops is carrying Angel because presumably this guy with the headdress has killed him. Dun, dun, dun. Did I mention this one was called Holocaust? Yeah. I can only assume that oh. the guy with the headdress is Hitler. <laughs> Meta Hitler. Yeah, it's a strange name for it, as we'll, as we'll get into. All right, so anyhow... That's but I have some uh, information about uh, Kukukan. Oh, get out of here. Which, that's how you pronounce it, Kukukan. Kukukan? 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 Kukukan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Kukulkan. Okay, you can say that. With more of an African accent. Kukulkan. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, Kukukan is the name of the Mayan feathered serpent snake deity. Uh, the Mayans had an individual whose name was Kukukan. And he was the ruler of uh, Chichen Itza for a time. All right. Throughout history, it's been kind of confused about the god and the man and so on and so forth. And now he's a supervillain. And now he's Magneto. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Clearly, they, the character has been referenced from uh, actual history. Yep. There's a... At, at Chichen Itza... One of the pyramids, twice a year during an equinox, the shadows create the image of a the snake slithering down the pyramid. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So the Mayans were pretty crafty builders, I guess. They were into snakes. Yep. Well, they, yeah, they were into Kugugan, who is the feathered serpent, hmm. which I believe they mention in this issue. I think you're right. He's, he's wearing a feathery headdress, so. Yeah, that's true. All right. Roy Thomas must have gone and visited the Mayan temples or something. <laughs> he was on the vacation with his kids. He's like, ah, finally, a, this is the story I've been looking for, Stan. Or no, wait, what, didn't they say that Stan was on vacation a couple issues ago? I bet this is where he went. Oh, maybe Stan came back. He's like, Roy, I got a story for you. It's Kukul Ken. <laughs> it's about a snake guy. Write it up. It'll be beautiful, baby. Write that, pussycat. <laughs> all right. Well, anyways, uh, when we last left our heroes, they were all taken out by a bunch of humans in the museum. So this issue starts with the professor being very upset with his students. And uh, basically, he's got his face in his palm. and He's going, oh, I'm going to have to start all over and recruit a whole new group of X-Men because those guys suck. Where, where is this? I'm I'm looking through here and I don't see this. Oh wait, that was what I wanted it to say. But oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, the professor is observing. I don't know how this works because I thought his cerebro machine or whatever this. Yeah, this is cerebro. Was only able to make out the shadowy form of who the villain is, but now it's able to make out the true power of Kukukan. Well, he's finally managed to adjust Cerebro to focus on the image of El Tigre. Yeah. So I guess that just means he's been, that's what he's been doing this whole time. Aha. He's trying to focus the image. 
He keeps adjusting the lens. Uh, it's a little blurry. Uh, that's passable, but I got to make this perfect. Uh, I can definitely tell who it is, but I don't know who that is, so that doesn't help. The professor's an HD buff, so yeah, he had to run out and get some component cables. Yeah, swap those out for HDMI. Uh, so this story is uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. is edited by Stan Lee, scripted by Roy Thomas, arted by Warner Roth. Inked by Dick Ayers and lettered by Sam Rosen. And then we have another Irving Forbush reference in the Mayan headdress. Yay. Yay, Irving Forbush. And as you mentioned, this issue is titled Holocaust. Oh, absolutely. Very loudly exclaimed. In quotes. Uh, The professor is unable to contact the X-Men. He does a little recap by saying that he sent them to the museum to stop El Tigre, and he wonders if they have failed. Cerebro detects that the energies of Kukulkan are increasing rapidly at an unbelievable rate. Mm -hmm. What force on Earth could possibly halt this this villain? And then we flash to Kukulkan in the museum. I said that really fast there. Cuckoo Ken. <laughs> and he is uh, he's, he's in awe of his own little power amulet, and he can feel his power growing, and he feels himself getting stronger. And now he doesn't think any mortal will ever be able to stop his raw, irresistible power. So he kind of walks out on uh, Cyclops, who is still being held by the guard from the last issue. I would like to mention that he looks fabulous there. He's kind of strutting around. His little amulet is um, sparkling, and he he doesn't look like he has a care in the world. According to later, it is told, his skin, how it's yellow, I guess it's supposed to be golden. Oh, no, I'm just talking about the glint uh, off of his amulet that's flashing all over the place. (laughs) He looks like he's walking into a disco is all I'm trying to get at here. (laughs) You can tell by the way he uses his walk. He's a lady, woman's man. He's got no time to talk. Okay, anyway, so uh, Cyclops is still trying to reason with the guard who is under hypnosis, but the guard, uh, well, he's under hypnosis. And here's another bit of discontinuity. Cyclops says he's been moving his hand ever so slowly to reach his goggles so that he can fire. Mm -hmm. Now... I think he must have two outfits <laughs> or or two sets of goggles or something because we've as we've seen he can do it without and he sometimes needs to press it. Yes. In this case, it would be very useful for him. He must have been like, "Damn, I I got the wrong costume this time." Which begs the question, why does he even bother with this costume? I don't know, but I don't think we actually have a really good again a really good explanation as to how his visor works. We were told earlier that when he shuts his eyes, the visor automatically goes up. And I don't know if this is the first issue, but it's one of the first issues where he actually acknowledges the fact that he has to touch something on his visor to get it to shoot. I'm just going to go with continuity going forward is that he has to touch his visor. All right. Until they change it, and then continuity going forward will be he can just shoot it. Oh, okay, good. So continuity will always just be changing. Exactly. That's what continuity does. <laughs> That's true. We can just assume that the professor gave him a new set of goggles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyways, as he's ever so slowly moved his hand to his goggles, he finally gets his hand there and shoots the gun apart. Yep. And I would like to... Zap! I would like to note here that he does it with pinpoint accuracy and blows up just the pistol and doesn't harm the guard's hand. Yeah. Stunning control. Indeed. Just want to point that out, and it might come into play later on. We, we don't know. If only he was confident as his targeting skills lead to believe he should be. I know. I think the problem with Cyclops is he just doesn't believe in himself. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, he, uh, he, he shoots the guard and, and punches him aside. Yeah, which is rough because the, the guard, uh, once he blasts the gun out of his hand, the guard comes to, and he's out of his mental control. Mm-hmm. So there's actually no reason for Cyclops to knock this guy over it's a shove i mean it is a violent shove to the side yeah this 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 is an old guy he's probably on the floor he probably dislocated or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. knocked his hat off and everything yeah this is this is unnecessary exactly so cyclops goes charging into kukulkan he does a full optic blast uh directly at the amulet 
He doesn't do a full optic blast. He just says he uses an optic blast. It must be a full. Mm-mm. Come on. No, there's. you're jumping ahead. There's a full optic. It, it matters, Adam. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> he uses just an optic blast, which bounces. So he aims it at the amulet, and it bounces off. At double force. Oh, and hits him. Oh, this, okay. This actually kind of fell apart on me while I was reading the issue to myself, because this wasn't a very compelling issue. Uh, it bounces <laughs> off and shoots him in the gut. Cyclops. Yes. It shoots Cyclops in the gut. Okay. Which, as we know, Cyclops is um, invulnerable to his blasts. A, a lesser man would be killed, but still there's quite an impact. Right. So he falls to the ground. He's unconscious. And uh, Tolok and Ramon, they step out from the shadows. Wow, good memory. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had to reach <laughs> for those two. But yeah, they, they come out and uh, uh, they are going to be part of Kukul Khan's army or something. They're all excited. They're like, oh, look at this great costume. We'll be able to sell this on the black market and check out this amulet. And Ramon leans in and grabs it and says like, oh, wait, this is this is going to make us a lot of money. So and suddenly they're his partners. Yeah, this doesn't make much sense because last issue we learned that even as El Tigre with half of the amulet, uh, he could control these two guys. And so... I don't understand what Ramon is thinking when he goes for the amulet now that this dude is transferred from just a standard Mexican guy to a to a golden purple feathered headdressed guy. It just doesn't make sense. Like it's, it seems like he's attacking a more powerful person and expecting different results. I'm starting a drinking game right now. Okay. Every time Jeremy says it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> the listener must drink. <laughs> Whatever you got. If it's coffee, soda, preferably beer, you have to take a sip of it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yes, you're right. Kukul can uh, hits Ramon across the face, and then they become partners. <laughs> Right. No, actually, I guess there's a little bit more. There's a little bit of a battle. Uh, uh, Tolak throws his bolo, is about to throw his bolos at them. But but then Cool Cool Can fires some, what does he fire? It's, oh, the un, he unleashes the very energy of the blazing sun itself. Which I guess is pretty, well, I don't know. It's not the heat of the sun because they would be incinerated. But it says so it's just energy. It says the next moment, two startled villains are struck by the irresistible wall of heat and force. Isn't... Must not be able to tap into the like the real sun. Okay, because they would be incinerated. Right. So he's not in any a... case. They're they're knocked out, and I'm just going to presume they're dead. So Kukulkan, he takes a he takes a stroll up to the roof because he senses that. Uh, more of the material that is in his amulet is back in Mexico where he originally started from. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. He, he There's something greater still. The amulet was the first step, and now the second step is to go back from where he came and discover an even greater power. Okay. Yeah, so you've got both halves of the amulet and then whatever this other mysterious power source is to complete the... The triad that is cool, cool cat. So he creates a sheer solar force energy sphere. Which I think is kind of cool looking, to be honest. I have to agree with you. <laughs> um, I, I like the thing that I like about cool, cool can is that there's endless possibility of his powers. You can just make it up as they go. The greatest part of this little solar ball that he's created is he's launched himself into orbit. <laughs> as <laughs> denoted by the uh, curvature of the earth that we can see. Yeah, but, he's taking the fast way. But that aside, I, I, you know, there's actually a little blurb here where it's like, we were going to give you a special science reason for this, but we decided against it. I don't think that needs to exist because this bubble is really cool looking. Yeah, there's there's a couple of places where they don't need to have word balloons, like the next panel where the two guys are looking up at the thing flying by. Yeah. That could have been. It's, it's it's two local yokels. Hey, Albert, look up there. Is that one of them flying saucers? I don't know, Barney, but it sure ain't no blame Firefly. It's moving fast, real fast. Uh, you know, I guess local yokels, it's kind of funny, but it, it could have been a nice panel where just two people were watching it go by. It would have been very subtle and nice. It could have been this exact same panel, minus word balloons. 
That's exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not only that, um, actually, it does kind of give a um, uh, a grasp of the speed in which he travels and the distance that he's traveled because he's left a museum in New York and it says a remarkably short time later in a Midwestern state. So we've know that in his little bubble, he was able to travel half the country. Yeah. That's pretty fast. So in the next panel, Professor X is getting a blowjob. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's being topped off is basically what's happening there. He's, <laughs> he's very, very close to the end. Uh, I don't know who's under there or what they're doing, but uh, apparently that's what Marvel <laughs> Girls College is. No, Adam, he's deep in thought. He's mentally reaching out to his students, but he can't, he can't telepathically contact them because, I don't know, maybe they're unconscious or something. He doesn't know. Yeah, he does know that Kuku Khan, well, El Tigre is gone, so he's going to try... He's going to try to reach them again before he had just decided he couldn't reach them because of El Tigre. But now... Well, he locates one of them. Oh, this he, just in. He has located uh, Iceman. Mm-hmm. It's Iceman. He's located Iceman. Iceman is awake. Can we get a report from the floor, Iceman? Iceman, what do you see? Oh, it's Angel, but he's lying so still. Could he be? No, he's just out cold. It looks like he was stabbed in the back of the neck. Which I guess I guess he was. Uh, was it was a oh it was a a, a blow dart with uh, unconscious juice on it. Yeah, it was a sleeping drug tipped blow dart. Okay. <laughs> So he pulls the dart out of his neck or something, and then Angel wakes up, and they decide that they're going to get moving to go find Scott and Beast. Which they do. Beast is already awake, and Cyclops is unconscious in his arms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was trying to put the moves on Cyclops. That's right. This is the Beast that we're talking about, after all. I think he was very disappointed that the other two young boys stopped in at the same time. He was like, finally, I will get my chance. Beast, what are you doing? I'm trying to resuscitate him with his pants down? <laughs> Never mind, I'm a scientist someday. <laughs> um, so anyhow, uh, actually, we see Tolok's face and Ramon's legs in the background passed out by a statue. They're dead. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they are dead. Until proven otherwise, they are dead. All right, Adam, they're dead. They are dead people. Beast makes a reference to Marvel Girl, which is ironic. Not ironic. We just go to the next panel, and it happens to be Marvel Girl. <laughs> Coincidental? I don't know. Very short foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Marvel Girl's on the phone. She's calling the, uh, oh, the professor calls Marvel Girl so that she can f- maybe find something for them to help them out with this latest adventure. And she notes that it's strange that the professor did not contact her telepathically. Um, and instead use the phone, but then she deter- she determines that perhaps he no longer considers me a member of the team. You know, there's a lot of people here with very low self-esteem <laughs> and, a, and a lot of self-doubt. Yeah, maybe he was just felt, felt like using the phone. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe actually using his telepathy makes him hungry, and he's like trying to lose a couple pounds, and he's like, look, I'm going to use the phone, right? It's free. I don't have to use extra power, energy. You answered it. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, this, yeah. uh, this is never explained whether or not she's right. No, this is the last we'll hear about this strange telephone call and why <laughs> it wasn't telepathic. But yeah, anyways, so. Well, it's like, I bet you I bet you what happened is the artist drew Gene on a telephone and then the writer was like, oh, wait, professor's telepathic. He would contact her. Hmm, I better write in this bubble. Maybe, but it's like almost every other page, one of the characters is self-doubting their loyalty or their love or something. So so you think it's a theme? It's a very common theme. One that might reappear in this very issue. We'll see. Hmm. So Ted Williams enters the room after Jean has changed her clothes and gone to the library. Yep, she had to change into a library outfit. <laughs> yep. Does it or, look like or, in yours that she's wearing a bikini bottom? <laughs> I can see what you mean, but no, it looks <laughs> like she's wearing a skirt. Oh, okay. shadowed. All right. So she, uh, Ted Williams, his name is Ted Williams, right? Yep. Ted Williams walks in with Calvin Rankin. Oh my gosh, who's that? He was the guy that the X-Men fought, who was also known as the Mimic. Whoa. Weird. I wonder yeah. if the mimic's going to make a, a, a an appearance in this issue. 
That's awesome. I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. So Ted introduces uh, Gene to his acquaintance, Cal Rankin, who apparently and started it, school this summer as well. And um, last we left Cal Rankin, he had been mind-wiped by the professor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decided to not, well, I guess he didn't really decide to do anything. He decided to go live his life. In this panel, he looks kind of like a zombie. He looks mad. Like, I I read this his dialogue as, I'm glad to meet you, <laughs> but I have the strangest feeling that we've met somewhere before, have we? Yeah, uh, and the Marvel girl plays it off real coolly. No, no, I, I no, no, not me. No, I'm from Canada. <laughs> well, she doesn't say that. But anyway, she talks about this small private school that she used to attend where she knew all of the students, and it couldn't possibly have been her. To which he responds in a thought bubble, I don't care what she says. I know I've seen her before, and I won't rest till I remember where. Um, the professor's mind-wiping needs some work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he's not running around mind-wiping people all the time, Adam, because it is not very effective, apparently. And it essentially causes them to desire to know where their mind went. Well, and it also kind of like puts an irrational level of determination in their ideas. Yeah. Haven't you ever like, I don't know, I can't imagine like, I can't, I, I've seen you before and by God, I won't rest until you admit that you and I have met before. <laughs> it's just kind of a little crazy, a little kooky. Anyhow. So uh, this I thought was kind of funny. Ted says, would you like to go to the calf and split a cup of java with us? One cup of coffee between three friends? <laughs> it's a little weird. You know, cups of java in the back days were like in those really big cups. I think this was a euphemism for a joint. They were uh-huh. going to go back and, uh, and uh, smoke a... Or a three-way. Oh, Adam, you randy dog, you... <laughs> So anyhow, Jean catches on to this, and she wants no part of the threesome, so she asks for a rain check. But then Ted, who's the slick guy he is, says, it'll be raining at 8 o'clock tonight, and I'll pick you up then, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What if it's not raining at 8 o'clock tonight? How does he know that? I think that was a line, though. I don't think that they actually had a date. I think he just ran with the whole rain check thing. I think he's a mutant. I think he has the power to control the rain. He's Storm. <laughs> Wait, what? So the librarian kicks them out, and we head back to the professor's uh, mansion, where they're looking at a map of Central America. San Rico. San Rico, Central America, where the pyramids were that, I guess the professor says, this is our only clue so far found out where the amulet it's from angel points out that it's oh angel points out that that's really not much to go on yeah this is this is a common theme in this issue with angel (laughs) yeah yeah yes and we'll see more about that as we go but i would like to point out that as you said jean gray does walk in and she's wearing a green dress so she changed again. Not just changing again, but I pointed out a couple episodes ago that she tends to wear green as her plain clothes. That's true. Only around the X-Men, though. Hmm. Interesting. So she brought the professor some library books. We have to hit upon every one of these romantic interludes because there's a lot of them in this issue. Jean Grey notices that Scott's not there, and she has a little word balloon, and she she's worried. And somehow Angel has gained the ability to have telepathy because she he knows it, and he knows that she's got the hots for Cyclops, and he's. I can only gather that she must be looking around frantically for Cyclops, <laughs> like so, so that it's like super obvious to everybody what she's doing. Iceman and Beast, are like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm right, yeah, hi, hey, uh, <laughs> over, uh, oh, uh, yes, okay, oh, oh, Cyclops, okay, yeah. So then the professor launches into a very wordy thing that was hard to read. Basically, it's the backstory for Kukan and how it's an ancient Mayan thing and how they, uh, here's where he calls him the feathered serpent god. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So clearly they got to Wikipedia. Yes. And it does tie into history somewhat because they talk about the volcano that erupted and what, like, uh, devast- well, a holocaust of a violent upheaval. Yeah, here's where we get our title. Yeah, but, but, but this was 
this happened 300, 400 years ago, right? I mean, this, this isn't recent. Presumably this will happen again, or maybe, maybe the title is just referring to the professor's, maybe the title of the story that the professor is reading to them is Holocaust. Could be. So it's, it's like a, it's like a meta reference. Holocaust, a Mayan adventure. <laughs> so anyways, uh, the, uh, the professor, after detailing this entire story says, let's go to San Rico. Yay! Except but for you, Marvel Girl. You stay. You go to college, girl, and you learn how to make sandwiches. <laughs> but then Cyc- she asks out loud uh, to everyone, Cyclops, is there anything wrong with him? Angel's like, don't get too upset, Lady Scott. He's a big boy now. <laughs> and that's when Scott shows up. Everybody's excited. Yay! Angel, Except for Angel. Well, I don't know what Angel's deal is. He's like, uh, okay, Scott. Scott says, I possess a certain degree of immunity to my own optic blasts. I only wish everyone else did. The professor displays an uh, an odd sense of caring here where he says, Scott, I'm overjoyed you've recovered so quickly. Mm, come here, boy. <laughs> but then... And then Angel says, so am I, psych. And you know I mean it. What? I know. I don't even know what that means. And you know I mean it. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it gets a little weird here. And then uh, Marvel Girl with her little thought balloon. Oh, he's all right. If only I could go with him. She clasps her hands together over her heart. <laughs> yes, she does. Everyone notices. Uh, and let's see. Beast uh, explains that he always uh, feels more secure with the eye beams around. And Iceman says nothing. He just looks on adoringly. Yes, yes. In his mind, he's thinking, "Wee!" <laughs> I can't wait to slide on my ice. <laughs> so they finally get on their X-Jet. It's been a while, folks. But if I recall correctly, I thought the X-Jet was black. This is a different X-Jet. Oh, so they have two X-Jets. Yes. Oh, wow, that professor. This is the new improved X-Jet. This is X-Jet model 2.0. <laughs> All right. So they take off an X-Jet 2. They fly to Mexico. The professor's an early adopter. Sure, sure. And uh, um, Here we get some more of these uh, lovelorn thought balloons where Scott thinks to himself, I thought I could love Jean in silence forever because of the menace of my deadly eyes. But today, somehow, I could sense that she cares for me as much as I do for her. It was the clasping over the heart. Mm-hmm. And in that split second, I knew that as soon as this mission is ended, nothing on earth will keep me from telling her how I feel. And as I was reading this, I was like, thank God. <laughs> it's about time. Why do they have to be so darn dramatic? Nothing on yeah. earth will keep me from telling her how I feel. <laughs> wow. What was keeping you from telling her in the past? So, we get another panel of a local seeing a jet go by that could have done without a word balloon again. Yeah. Yep, there's a guy with a mule and a, and a cart, and he decides to make a comment about the airplane, which, you're right, completely unnecessary. But apparently this is like in nice the... Nice panel, though. It is a nice panel. This is in the uh, present, but then the next panel of Kukul Ken in his cool flying bubble goes back to the past. A few hours back, yes. Yes. So he lands uh, a short distance from where he found the original pendant of power, which is now what it's called. It's the space pendant of power. Of a few heartbeats. Mm-hmm. He's very fast. And so he he dissolves some of the foliage and some of the landscaping around to reveal Cobra Commander's secret base. <laughs> Cobra! And all of a sudden, Destro jumps out, and the Baroness and Duke behind him shooting a gun, and they're fighting, and it's awesome, because it's just like the 80s. Serpentor lands at his little uh, <laughs> Cobra Commander headquarters. He's going to take over Cobra, because he's so angry with Cobra Commander, and, and all of the times that he keeps failing. Actually, Kukulkan does kind of look like Serpentor. In this frame, uh, in this frame, in this panel on page nine of the top, he definitely does look like Serpentor. All you need is that little skiff that he flew around on. Well, he he's flying around in his like a trouble bubble or something. <laughs> oh, the GI Joe references come come flying now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyhow, 
So uh, he blasts away some more foliage to reveal a road that leads out to the sea so that he can mentally project to the Mayan ancestors to come back to the homeland. That's a pretty cool concept. All of the descendants of Mayan, uh, the Mayan race uh, are under his control automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we get we. This is actually kind of a neat montage, which maybe didn't need all of this dialogue. But we see uh, some people walking towards uh, the the temple. We see some people pulling some gold, which is hard to swallow because remember when El Tigre first found the pendant, he found a big cave that was full of like crowns and jewels and rubies and stuff. It seems hard to believe that he needs they need to mine for gold in addition to all that stuff they found. And then well, a, apparently the SS shows on the second panel on uh, page 10 <laughs> with swords. Yeah. He has uh, all the, the – apparently there's a, there's a police state in San Rican and they've all come over to his side. Yeah. They're going to work for him to protect the new empire. So I'm not entirely sure if they uh, – how do I say this? If they're like mindless zombies or if they've just kind of been – nudged or influenced into doing what they're doing and i i'd prefer to believe the latter but they're they're called unreasoning sentinels they so are but you'd be the judge i don't know what that means unreasoning sentinels of the new empire which seem to defy time itself yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like the idea that they're just like i don't know why i'm getting this guy gold but i kind of feel good about doing it See, for the glory of Kukulkan and his city. <laughs> yes, we must get tacos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then uh, the professor has uh, checked out a, I don't know, a, a room for them or something somewhere in Mexico and is reading the newspaper. Yeah, because the newspaper, again, is super up to date. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going on here, but there's a super important mission to go on. The professor's just reading the paper. but uh, Yeah, the professor is not going to go on the, the, the mission, though. He's staying behind. Mm-hmm. And he lets them know that as soon as they get out of range and into the range of Kuku Ken, he's not going to be able to contact them. That's good. So why doesn't he go? I don't know. Why did he even come? Why didn't he just turn give the keys to the plane over to somebody else and just kind of man the fort at home? Meanwhile, Magneto's probably badly damaged. <laughs> could be. Meanwhile, Magneto's back at the mansion ransacking it once again. <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> Son of a All right. So, um this is an odd line. This is an odd line here though. He says, uh, "Remember all of you, the freedom of the world may be at stake." There must be no dissension among you. Well, that's because of uh, Warren. Once again, he ends up with a snarky contact, or a snarky comment when Cyclops says, "We'll do our best, sir." Uh, he he comes in and says, "That's what I like in a deputy leader: originality." Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I kind of when I read that, I just read that as tomfoolery or camaraderie, like. That's our Cyclops, master of understatement. Ha ha ha! But maybe oh, but then, then Warren thinks to himself in the next panel. I know my ego's just hurt because Gene prefers Psych to me, but I'll get over it. So this is this is all done on purpose. This is a carefully crafted love story underneath this action-packed adventure. Okay, so <laughs> if you say so. Iceman creates a slide for their luggage for their boat. I don't know why they're bringing luggage with them. Yeah, I don't know why they're needing a slide to slide it into the <laughs> boat either. They're freaking lazy. <laughs> it looks like it's about 15 feet away from the house. But but I guess if you're Iceman, you're like, hey, man, might as well. doesn't take me anything to yeah. make a slide. Yeah. So they get in, uh, and apparently... Uh, for some reason, they have paddles, even though Cyclops is manning the motor. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. I guess maybe they have to turn the motor off at some point because the whole idea is that they're getting in a boat so that they can kind of uh, sneak around. Well, the question I had is it seemed it seemed to me that when Kukul Khan was uh, getting the townsfolks under his power that he was kind of creating a mental control bubble or a radius of control. So wouldn't it stand to reason that as the X-Men enter that radius of control, that they would also become under control? No, I think the radius of control is only for people of Mayan descent. Oh. 
That was what I gathered. From That's you. what I like about you. You're always willing to give the writers the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I believe it because I have no choice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, fine, fine, fine. So they get attacked by a jaguar. Yes, they do. They had nothing else. What I liked about this, though, actually, though, um, the jaguar comes out, it jumps on the boat, and then Iceman forms a trident and stabs it through the neck with the middle prong. Uh, no, it's not a trident. It, it's just a two-prong fork. But what actually happens, Angel picks the, the jaguar up by the tail and tosses it into the jungle. It's just as bad. I imagine that he twirled him around a few times and then yeah, also let like, go. Oh. <laughs> because he, he does fling that uh, jaguar quite far. And, it, you know, come on, you got to feel bad for the jaguar at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, more than likely, this jaguar had a couple of little baby cubs or whatever you call baby jaguars up in the tree, and he sees these crazy people riding down the boat, and he's like, hey, these are my kids. And then this flying human just flings you into the mountainside. Just another example of the X-Men being mean to animals. Maybe this is part of that dissension that uh, <laughs> uh, the professor was talking about. Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, Cyclops is like, hey, you'd better get down here so that you're not seen. All right, leader man, but I won't like it. And then he thinks to himself about no man can understand what it's like to fly. Yeah, this is Angel's uh, tagline. Yeah, he's laying it on pretty thick. (laughs) So then if the Jaguar attack wasn't enough, all of a sudden... Rapids appear in front of them, and then alligators to the side of them. And there are some dangerous rocks as well, and they hit one of them, and the boat splits in half. But Beast has a plan. He decides that all of those hours of playing Pitfall were not for naught. (laughs) And he jumps on the rocks, and then he jumps on the alligator's face, and he swings from a vine and then falls into a pit and is bitten by a scorpion and dies. (laughs) <laughs> oh wait no <laughs> he does jump on the alligator's face though and uh the other two well angel grabs cyclops and uh comments about how Iceman's okay so that just leaves you to nursemaid scotty that's kind of a that's kind of a dick thing to say i have a question though for you in terms of Iceman's ability so mm-hmm. Iceman can make these ice slides but as we're seeing here He's created an arc that first starts at, at, at a low angle and then rises to a higher angle. How was he able to get the propulsion to get over that hump? Keep, ice magic. <laughs> <laughs> keeping in mind that the ice is slippery, they just crashed a boat and they're falling out and somehow he's able to make this slide. How did he get the propulsion to move himself forward? <laughs> Hey, man, one day when you get ice powers, you'll understand. But until then, you got nothing to say. Nothing. (laughs) Right, Adam. (laughs) Okay, so that, that, they, they're safe. (laughs) And the beast, uh, he lunges, he lunges off the alligator's face uh, and, and climbs a tree. Yeah, in this panel where he's climbing a tree, because the ground is all one color, and an angel is standing in a flying type position, they all look like they're flying. Angels, Cyclops, Nightman. It's a very odd perspective. It almost looks like they could be falling to the bottom of the page. But anyways, uh, the Beast sees the uh, pyramids, and he he can't be positive, but he's pretty sure that the villain is over there. <laughs> and then it just gets worse, okay? So we had, uh, we had a jaguar, we had an alligator, and now as uh, Beast slides down what he thinks is a vine, it turns out to be a boa constrictor. Dun, dun, dun. Ha, 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 ha. But really, no big deal. So this is actually where I got confused on this next panel. Uh, you you said that Tolak and Ramon were dead. I thought that these two guys hiding in the shadows viewing the X-Men as they approach were Tolak and Ramon. But Oh, Jeremy, so racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at them. They got the same haircut. Yeah, they're just other dudes. Oh, but they got the Tolak haircut. Are you haircut. trying to tell me they all look alike to you? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying they have the Tolak bowl haircut. That doesn't make them Tolak. Oh, fine. <laughs> Tolak and Ramon are dead. Maybe deep down I wanted them to be alive, and so I just had a, a desire to make these guys them. You were really into their characters. <laughs> these guys are going places. <laughs> I can't wait till they get their mutant abilities. 
They're going to get their own comic. <laughs> Tolak and Ram- Ramon team. Marvel team-ups featuring Tolak and Ramon. Uh, okay, so they're they're just some native Mayan ancestors and not Tolak yep. and Ramon. Meanwhile, however, Kukulkan is standing at his pyramid with fires aflame. Just looking all regal. Mm-hmm. He's observing what all is his. And he sees a distress signal, so one can only assume that the Mayan natives or the Mayan ancestors had somehow devised some sort of signaling mechanism. Yep, some sort of mirrors, perhaps. So, I don't know why they needed to do that, but the X-Men run for some reason and fall into a hole. And then somebody throws a net over the hole, and for some reason they're unable to shoot through the net. Well, that's because the natives... Uh, come out and stick spears through the netting, and so the X-Men can't go up, and apparently the natives can't go down. So uh, Cyclops has Iceman throw an ice shield above them so that the spears can't stab them to death, to which uh, we get more snark from Angel. You're just full of little ideas, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, he does. Uh, And so uh, Iceman does make uh, the... Uh, the ice shield and uh, Cyclops says, let's keep them that way. We're getting out of here now. And uh, I, this is what I actually wanted to look this up. Uh, Angel says, how like the charge of the light brigade. (laughs) And I don't know what that means. Do you Adam? No, I don't. I didn't look that one up. Darn it. So in one of those odd sixties cutaway panels, uh, Cyclops blasts a tunnel underneath the hole and behind the Indians, or the Mayan ancestors. Yep, which he's done before. So, actually, actually you know. know what? I want to back up a second. I, I, I caught myself in the same trap as the X-Men did, because somewhere in here the X-Men uh, refer to these um, natives as Indians, just as I did. And they're not Indians, because they're not Native Americans, and they're not from India. Hmm. Right? They're, they're Mexicans. Ah, hmm. And that was the 60s thing, I guess. So the X-Men are racist. <laughs> Maybe more racist than me. <laughs> I think the 60s were racist. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, Cyclops thinks to himself, to himself, I don't understand why Angel keeps snacking, snapping back at everything I say. He's never been like that before. Could it be that he somehow senses my feelings for Gene and that I intend to do something about them? And then Angel thinks to himself, I hate to sound like a poor man's Hawkeye, but I can't seem to stop myself. Why should Gene prefer Scott over me? I've never been I've never been an Avengers fan, nor do I know really anything about Hawkeye other than he shoots arrows. So do you have Hawkeye is Hawkeye is a poor man's Captain America in that comic. He's always trying to be as good as Captain America and never uh Avengers fans email me if I'm wrong, but uh, that, that, that I believe is the reference there. Okay. Because I, 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 I understand that Hawkeye used to be a bad guy, right? Yep. Okay. So I know that much. He used to be a bad guy. Then he became an Avenger and he shoots arrows. And that's, does he have any powers? Uh, he, he, he doesn't miss. Okay. That's a, <laughs> so that's a handy power when you're shooting arrows. He's got all sorts of different kinds of arrows. He's he's a he's maybe maybe I'm getting in confused with Batman Green Arrow. <laughs> oh, Green, sure. Okay, but, uh, well let's uh, we'll we'll worry about that when we cover the entire Avengers story in ten yeah. years. <laughs> uh, okay, so then so I, I think the idea is that he's Hawkeye is always snarky towards Captain America. Oh, all right. So he's always second guessing him. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And making little comments and. That's their relationship. Okay. When, in fact, he secretly admires him or something. Sure, sure, sure. So the X-Men uh, pull the netting from underneath the natives, and the natives go falling into the um, hole. Which, to quote Jeremy, makes no sense. <laughs> well, A, it makes no sense, and B, they just made a tunnel, so all these natives need to do is go follow the tunnel that Cyclops <laughs> made and stab all of these X-Men in the back. But they yep. don't. So finally, at 4.03 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Natch. Yes. Which is a panel that mm-hmm. kind of, I, thought was, I thought was amusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
a little unnecessary, but you know, detail, detail oriented. Cyclops dis- uh, discovers a policeman and says that uh, they need to run some diversion tactics. Well, he thinks that he he realizes that they're getting close because apparently, maybe in the newspaper that uh, the professor was reading, they had heard that some people were leaving into the jungle. Mm-hmm. So they have Angel and Beast run ahead and fly yeah. ahead. They're doing a little diversion. Yep. And the cops that are guarding the pyramid, cops, <laughs> uh, I guess the guards that are guarding the pyramid uh, go, go after Angel and Beast, but then as soon as they turn their backs, their guns, uh, well, one of their guns is blasted out of his hand by Cyclops' blast. The other one gets hit over the head, which what I assume is a ice uh ice rock boulder thing yeah it's it's colored the same as the background so it's kind of hard to say what it is but it's like an ice ball i guess no i think they're boulders because in the next panel there's more boulders well i think those are more ice balls i'm i just it doesn't make sense that Iceman is throwing boulders at them okay <laughs> well i'm with you it doesn't make sense that any of them would be throwing boulders at them but you got to admit that there's three different colors they're using here and none of them are blue or white yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this happened the coloring department. All right. Somebody somebody over there failed. But uh okay, so Kukul can he comes running down and he says, Well, I'll just deal with these guys myself. And in fact the guards uh run away in fear, all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh Angel, he has the best line here. He calls Kukul Can Cuckoo. Yep. Which, which is, is how you know it's pronounced Kukukan. Kukukan. Hey, hey Cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> Want some cocoa puffs? <laughs> and nobody laughs. All right, so then anyways, he uh, he goes in for a, I don't know what he's doing, like a dive bomb attack, but he misses. Because uh Khan has a sixth sense. Mm-hmm. Spider sense. The, the amulet, yeah, and the amulet, his his spider sense has increased from the last issue. Oh, I mean tiger sense, tigray sense. Tigray sense. Okay, so he starts shooting some solar bolts um, kind of all over the place, but really not at Angel. Yeah, he figures that the solar bolts are so cool that they'll just hit him. But he's but, not very good with the whole aiming thing. Uh, so you know, oddly enough, Beast, who is the smartest of the bunch, who just saw uh, Angel's surprise attack fail, decides that he will also launch his own surprise attack. That's true, but the Beast surprise attack is at least more um, specific. He's going after the amulet. Right, but of course, uh, Tigray sense kicks in, and he ends up punching the beast across the face. Well, I think the other thing that happens is that the amulet um, lights up and blinds the beast. Yeah, and there's a little line here that says, uh, do you think that any power person, any human could wrest the pendant of power from its rightful owner? So it's almost as if maybe um, the amulet is warding off yeah. unwanted uh that was the impression that I got. Unwanted groping, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, Iceman springs into action with one of his ice spears, but Kukul Can generates a wave of heat that causes Iceman to have to do a quick U-turn so he doesn't melt. And then Iceman needs to rest, and um, Angel and Beast are sitting outside the Cobra Commander Tower when Beast decides that Hmm, there must be, there's there's a giant gem at the top of it, so maybe that's, uh, maybe that's important. So he climbs up to the top. I guess he and Iceman both do. Throughout this whole issue, we've been told, like, a few hours later, a few hours prior, but in this panel, we don't get any sort of time check. All we get is, mm-hmm. oh, I, I gotta rest, and in the very next panel, both of them beast and Iceman, have climbed to the top of the fangs which looks like is a good 30 40 yards up in the air so i don't know beast dragged him up (laughs) (laughs) all right get him on back little buddy so they get up to the top and beast uh determines that the mineral of the gym is the same as the pendant Mm -hmm. and he tells Iceman to cover it with ice he doesn't though i don't think he does uh Iceman deduces that on his own. Okay, but Beast agrees. Oh, well, Beast does agree. But so basically the 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 only right decision that's been made so far has not really come from our fearless deputy leader. That's true. He led them into a hole. Admittedly, he got them out of the hole. 
So then we go back to a battle between, uh, well, Beast bounds back down, it appears. Yeah, he, you know, they're keeping uh, Iceman's work of covering the ice distracted. Uh, they're, they're keeping Kukukan distracted from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so... Um, uh, again, yeah, I just want to say, there's a lot going on here. It's, it's, like, it's, it's hard to follow. Yeah, they're they're putting a lot of panels into these pages. There's a lot of word balloons. Woo. I know. I'm exhausted. I am in a total sweat over here. <laughs> it is exhausting. Um <laughs> but Cyclops decides that he's going to take that same tactic of doing the sneak attack and Yeah, he's going to blast. So again, same tactic but slightly different. But this time he's going to blast with the full power of his optic beams. Not not like before when he just used some of his optic beams. Uh, if you say so. <laughs> but his tiger sense kicks in, and he slightly dodges, and he ends up hitting Angel with the full force of his optic beam right in his wing. Oh, man. And, and look, his wing is a little dented in the next panel. It is frayed. There's random feathers all over the place. But, see, I have a theory here. Okay. This is what the twenty seventh issue of the X Men and it twenty sixth twenty sixth and in at least half of those issues, uh, um, Cyclops has been blasting away at Angel's wings to remove ice or other debris. So, <laughs> I have a theory that Angel has developed an immunity to Cyclops blasts. Okay, <laughs> but anyways, Angel is uh, laying on the ground. Look, I, I, another thing here: if this is the full force of Angel, or I mean, of Cyclops blasts. Yeah, it looks like Angel got hurt, but he's in one piece. He's not bleeding. Doesn't look like there's any broken bones there, so... Well, he shot his wing, so... Well, yeah, but I mean, you'd think that the wing would be the most fragile part. Well, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's there's no explanation for okay. this. Okay, so I'm just saying that maybe, you know, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing if, you know, her and Marvel Girl are making sweet love and kissing, and all of a sudden Cyclops opens his eyes and blasts her square in the face. Yeah, she'd have a headache, but... <laughs> Based on this, I mean, it's not like her head would come off or anything like that. I right, just, mm. want, just wanted to throw out that out there. But anyways, uh, Cyclops goes running to check on his buddy, the angel. Uh, but then Kukul Can launches another uh, solar bolt at him, and he goes down. Yep, Cyclops completely abandons his own safety and, and his own thought of leadership and remaining in the fight to go after Angel. He gets caught behind from behind by a blast. And so, knocking him unconscious. And so Cool Cool Can says, well, I've got uh, two of them down. There's only two left to go. And he sees Iceman cl- or still pouring ice on top of the uh, Cobra Commander headquarters and shoots him. Shoots him, but his blast falls short because what the X-Men have been doing is making, this is actually Cyclops' plan, uh, they've been making him use up all of his energy. Yeah. And, uh, He's finally run short of energy. So enraged, I guess, uh, <laughs> Cuckoo Can blasts the bottom of Cobra Commander's uh, tower in order to knock Iceman off of it, which is just a terrible, terrible plan. Well, I think, and, uh, I, I think the crystal that's upon the Cobra's head also... Uh, when it's covered in ice, inhibits his brainwave pattern, so he's not really thinking straight, in addition okay. to not having all of his powers. But, but anyways. So either that or Iceman's covering the gem in ice causes the whole tower to open up a giant kind of earthquake-like hole in the floor and suck itself into it, and then the hole closes back up. Yep, yep. That's basically what happens. A lot more panels to describe what you just said, but... <laughs> Kukul what... Can runs up into the top of the pyramid, runs up to the top of the pyramid. Uh, Beast goes after him, and it turns out that the Kukul Can has been turned back into El Tigre. This is another case of um, t- uh, of describe but not show, because we see... Yeah. Okay, so we see the tower fall into the ground, the ground closes back up, and then we say, look... We see Iceman say, look, Cool Cool Can's running up the tower. And then we switch to the tower and we don't see Cool Cool Can. Yeah, we just see El Tigre, which they never explain. We don't even see El Tigre. Oh, no, wait, they do explain it. On page 19, you don't see El Tigre, do you? No, no, no. 
Yeah. On on page on page twenty, they explain. Uh, Iceman explains two panels later. When the idol was swallowed by the earth, our buddy here turned back into plain El Tigre. How well, do you account for that, Beastie? Here's another thing that just doesn't make any sense. So everybody, take a drink. Oh, and it's actually fitting because on page nineteen, the sound effect that the the crashing makes is rum. <laughs> so everybody go get your rum anyways the thing that doesn't make sense is the beast goes bounding up to the top of the uh pyramid and in the very next panel everything is on fire uh beast is carrying out el tigre Iceman is zinging out with his ice slide like we missed an entire page of something but it's all explained uh yeah in, there's a lot the of dialogue di- that is kind of explaining but not showing like you said a stray solar bolt seems to have ignited a veritable inferno. What was that? Okay. Mo- what was that Robert Rodriguez movie, The Planet of the Dead or Dead Planet? That was part of Grindhouse. Yeah, it is Planet something. This okay, whatever movie that was in Grindhouse, the first part, the zombie one with Bruce Willis, reminds me of this because there's a scene in oh, which I think I know where you're going. <laughs> there's a scene in which everything is normal and then uh the other Rodriguez guy and the girl uh what's her face they go off to make love but then the, the they lose a reel of film and then they come back and everything's on fire and all the characters have kind of changed their position and they're all about to go get the guy or the bad guy or save the day or whatever. That's what happened mm-hmm. here. We lost a whole page of comic book. Wow. All of a sudden Beast is referring to El Tigre as friend. Yeah, I noticed that. Help me desist from your superfluous exclamations, friend. You're rescued already. Why? He's the one that caused all this pain and problems and stuff. Uh, anyways, at least they tie him up and don't just let him go. <laughs> yeah, presumably they will deliver him to the authorities. But on the ground, Cyclops is awake now, and he's huddled over a still unconscious angel. Is he, is he, he's so still, is he? No. No, he's alive. What happened, Beast says. Did Kokul Can get to him? And that's when Angel wakes up <laughs> and uh, just completely blames uh, Cyclops. It was Cyclops. He struck out at me on purpose. But I didn't. You know I didn't. That's not how I read it at all. I read it as... Oh. It was Cyclops. He struck me on purpose. <laughs> well, to each his own. Your version's funnier. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, yeah. Why would I have blasted you deliberately? <laughs> because a Marvel girl. You love her too. <laughs> He's passed out again. <laughs> so, yeah, a uh, little bit of childish antics there. And then uh, as they walk away from the fiery destruction... The Cyclops says, oh, Angel's, he's a raving lunatic. He's deliriously, delirious. Surely Beast and Iceman know that, right? Right, guys? Hello? How can I protest my innocence to the others when I'm no longer sure of it myself? They don't speak to me. Could it be that subconsciously Warren was right? And I did want to eliminate a rival? (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh it is so thick right now <laughs> and did i mention cyclops is carrying angel because it's that adds to the whole thing here this isn't yeah. necessarily warranting a mcfarlane uh diorama treatment but, but it's uh, pretty good it's it's good it's neat it's it's not if bad. el tigro was gene gray oh. yet still tied up and being carried away by iceman this would warrant warrant a mcfarlane Sure, statue. really nice, detailed, intricate figure set. So, so there you go. Uh, next issue, the mind-staggering mimic returns, as foreshadowed in this issue earlier. Enough said? Question mark. Said. Well, there you go. The uh, the rise and fall of Kukulkin. Will he return? We don't know. I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I doubt he will, but you never know. He, um, I had a good time during this issue. I know you didn't, but I did. <laughs> it was it was a tough read. Um, it, it was a pretty slow read. I'll give you that. And there were a hell of a lot of words. Mm-hmm. But when all was said and done, I look back fondly. It was a fun adventure. So in the letters section, uh, 
a Gary Lamars writes mm-hmm. in asking, what color are the X-Men's costumes? Sometimes they're blue and gold, and sometimes they're black and gold. Can't you make which up I your mind? Been, which I believe has been a question asked before in the letters page. It has. Um, and it's not answered here either. But the, the author, the um, Jerry Lamars, also goes on to ask, how do Cyclops's, uh goggles work, and what material are the visors and the glasses made of? And that's when the response from the Marvel editor, presumably Stan, says, we, eh, we'll be finding out in a couple issues. Also of interest is that it is no longer called, I don't remember what the mail letter was called prior, but it is now called Mutant Mailbox. Does that last? <laughs> I don't know, but not, not when I started reading. It used to be called Let's Visit the X-Men. Okay, so the original letter section was Let's Visit the X-Men. Now it's Mutant Mailbox. Uh, spoilers, when I started reading in the 80s, it was called X-Mail. So we'll see if there's any other iterations of the, uh, the Marvel letters column. Hmm. Other than that, uh, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of interest in the letter section. We should mention, uh, who was the... Oh, Carlos Pacheco. Carlos Pacheco wrote a letter into the X-Men last issue and is the current artist yes, of the new series of Uncanny X-Men. And originally I was like, whoa, that's crazy. We should reach out to this guy and, and, and connect the dots and everything. But then I thought about it, and then this issue was written in 1966, which mm-hmm. is f- over 40 years ago. 46, mm-hmm. and if we just say that this guy was maybe 12 when you wrote it, I guess that would make him 58. Do you think there's a 58-year-old dude writing the, r- drawing the Uncanny X-Men right now? No, dude, as I, as I detailed last, um, last episode, he had to have been six when he wrote that letter. Okay. Oh, because it was horribly written, if I recall. Uh, no, no, not, that's not the reason why, oh. because they give, his, they give his birth date on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, well, oh, well, okay. I used a much more logical reason for that. Get so, yeah, he, he, he could be. You did research. I know. Have you reached out to him yet? I, I, I don't know how, but I tried to look. He doesn't have a web page or anything like that. So did, I was thinking maybe I would write in a letter to the sh- new Uncanny X-Men comic book you could do that or you could just do like carlos pacheco at marvel.com you think that's his email yeah that's a good enough guess maybe you should write into the current breed of x-men just be like dude this new comic is awesome but check out this podcast and by the way were you the kid that wrote in in 1966 because there's a letter with your name on it pretty much that's what i would do except for the part where this mag is awesome (laughs) you would not say this mag is awesome well, I haven't read it yet, so oh, okay. <laughs> I can't say whether or not it's awesome. Well, you got to lie. You got to get your foot in the door, you know. <laughs> uh, anyhow, speaking of letters, uh, you can write to us at uh, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. You can visit www.redcatproductions.com forward slash dangerroom, and you can leave a comment on any of these uh, episodes and discuss what you liked and what you didn't like. You can visit us, uh, follow us at. at Go podcast. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Danger Room Go. Thank you. So that would make it at Danger Room Go. Or Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. You can leave a review on iTunes, and we have two new five-star reviews. One by Monag Fam and one by Hef underscore Y2J. Get out of here. Yeah. Does that bring our That's, iTunes reviews up to three? We've got three five-star iTunes reviews. I am so excited right now. I, I'm i pretty excited myself. I'm stoked. It's good to know that there are people out there listening who like us. They like us, Jeremy. They like us. They really like us. Uh, in terms of this issue, uh, you know, like you said, you kind of had fun with it. I gave it a thumbs down. Uh, however, uh, I do like the Mimic character, so I'm looking forward to the next issue. Or series of issues. Whoa. <laughs> just blew my mind. You'll find out, so uh, come come back and check us out. Until then, Adam, anything else you want to say? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Until next time, the danger room is closed. Twice a year, on the day of the spring and autumn equinoxes, a shadow falls on El Castillo in the shape of a serpent. 
As the sun sets, the snake appears to wriggle down the steps of the pyramid until it finally joins the serpent's head at the base of the staircase. Dude, did you ever read that G.I. Joe comic? Yeah, well, the G.I. Joe comic was terrible. Are you kidding? It was awesome. It was, it's probably like, it's the best. No, I, I, I literally think it's probably one of the best comics ever written. Get out of here because by. I'm not joking. By issue it, it is, 30, they were just randomly introducing no characters or new characters for no reason. Then. Yeah, they had to work within that stupid concept of having to deal with the, the toy licensing, but they told a really cool story throughout. It was all about Storm Shadow and, and Snake Eyes. and I remember uh, Zartan shot an arrow through the air and I think struck Serpentor in the eye and killed him. Um, yeah, yeah, that did happen. And then I had one uh, issue. I guess maybe I should go back and revisit those issues. But there was one issue where Cobra Commander and Destro uh, like were stuck in the pit and they escaped or their base or something. And then they had to go to like a toy store and like put a costume on. <laughs> I don't know. It was a really cool issue. It was called Unmaskings, but they never actually unmasked anybody. They just yeah, everybody unmasks, but you don't actually see anybody's face. Exactly. Uh, but then I remember later on, Snake Eyes, they unmasked him and he just had like giant scars across his face or something. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe uh, I should retry that. You? Oh, it's it's so good. I mean, the stories are just like really tightly woven together, and there's they're really it's a really you know despite the it being based on a toy line, it is one of the best comic books to come out of the eighties. It rivals it rivals the X Men of the eighties. I'm serious. Well, maybe we should put this down and talk about GI Joe number one. So on the first panel, oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what another interesting comic was for the first few issues, but then got really stupid was Transformers. Yes, agreed. Transformers started out really strong, but then got really bad. Yeah, it started out as a four-issue limited series, and it did. Those first four issues were so good that they made it into, uh, you know, a, a full length, and it was probably good up until like issue fourteen or something. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, are we still on? Are we still talking about X Men? 